Welcome to Drive Time Devotions, our start of the study of the book of Matthew, our start of the study of this story of Jesus, this amazing story of the life of Jesus. The book of Matthew begins by letting us know that this story of the life of Jesus actually began from the very beginning. God had always been planning this story. It begins with a genealogy, a record of what led up to the life of Jesus. There's a lot of names here. For many people, this sort of reads like a phone book at the start rather than the Bible, but actually when you read it closely, there's a lot of excitement here in what God is doing. So let me tell you a story, the story of Jesus. It's not my story. I'm passing it along from a man named Matthew. More about him later. But you start with a story, this story that started from the very beginning. And if for just a moment you could suspend your suspicions about genealogies and instead have a sense of the history of what's going on here. Let me read for you what happens in the beginning of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, Amminadab, the father of Nation, Nation, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. And Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. And Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Ahiud, and Ahud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor, Zadok, Zadok, Achim, Achim, Eliud, Eliud, Eliezer, just going through these names, Eliezer, Mathan, Mathan, Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. There's the story, the start of this story, the son of David, the son of Abraham, it begins. That's who Jesus is. We're going to look in a moment at how important that is. 14 generations from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, from the exile to Jesus. We're going to look at it in a moment at how important that is in the story that we're being told. You see, there's a theme to the story of every gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there's a theme to the story. Every gospel has a unique theme and a unique audience. That's why God allowed four to be written, because he knew that we needed to hear it from every different perspective. When you read the gospel of Mark, you read about Jesus the servant. That's the theme. Jesus is the one who came to serve and to suffer. And if you look closely at the Gospel of Mark, it's written specifically to the Roman mind, those in the Roman world who would look and think in that kind of way. They needed to hear about a suffering servant. When you read the Gospel of Luke, it's about Jesus, the Son of Man, the one who came to share and to sympathize with us. And this was especially written to the Greek mind so that they could understand. Jesus came into a world that was influenced by 
Greek and by Roman thought, but he was, also came into a world that was influenced deeply by Jewish thought. Now, the Gospel of John is Jesus, the Son of God. It is written to everyone. It's sort of a unique gospel. But when you look at Matthew, it's, it's Jesus, the sovereign king. It's Jesus, the one who came to reign and to rule. And it's written specifically to the Jewish mind. If you look at the message of Matthew, this story of the book of Matthew, it is a story of the, you might even write this down somewhere. If, you, if, you, if you're driving, maybe write it down later. But you might put this somewhere in your mind. We're going to come back to this several times. It is the story of the fulfillment of God's promised kingdom. Matthew is the story of the fulfillment of God's promised kingdom. Matthew's gospel, more than any other, is a link between the Old Testament and the New. Makes sense, because it is the link. It is the first book in the New Testament. And it's about the fulfillment that Jesus came to bring. We're going to see later that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. That's the Old Testament. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And as you look through the book of Matthew, you find fulfillment again and again and again and again. In chapter 1, 22, 2, 15, 17, 13, 4, 2, 15, verse 17, verse 13, chapter 4, verse 14, 8, 17, 12, 17, 13, 35. I could go on and on. The word fulfillment is used so often. And it's the fulfillment of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. The word kingdom is used 55 times the idea of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is referred to 33 times. It's all through this book. It's all through the New Testament, this story. Now, what is God's kingdom? A simple personal definition is God's kingdom is the place where God is king. I can't say I'm a part of God's kingdom unless I'm allowing God to be the king in my life. There's that personal definition, but there's also a broad historical definition here, what God is doing in human history. And that goes back to this genealogy that we just read. Why does he start with a genealogy? Because this book, Matthew's story, is a story, the story of Jesus to those who thought with a Jewish mind. And to them, the most important question was, where did Jesus come from? If you're going to tell me he's the promised one, is he in the line of the promised ones? And Matthew writes and says, let me tell you the story. Absolutely. He is the son of Abraham. He is the son of David. Two of the greatest, greatest examples of the promises of God. The promise to Abraham of a multitude of descendants, like the stars in the sky. The promise to David of a king who would sit on a throne forever. Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. Now, let's go back to the 14 generations. You notice he says, the son of Abraham, and there's 14 generations until David. 14 generations until the exile, and 14 generations now again until Jesus. What, what is this about the 14 generations? Obviously, it's important. He actually makes sure that the genealogy is read in such a way that you see these 14 generations very clearly. Well, there's a couple of things that are happening here. First, very clearly, it's showing that Jesus is part of the broad plan of God, the plan of God that's been working down through the generations from Abraham to David through the exile of God's people to bringing them back. Now Jesus has come. Now the promised one has come. Now the, now the Messiah has come. There's a truth also here that you may be able to see in the number itself. There are three 14s here. Now, in Jewish thought, seven was a very important number. Seventh day is a Sabbath day. Seventh day is God's day, the day of rest. So he's telling us here that there are six seven, six groups of seven, 
three of 14, if you're a math whiz, you know that's six groups of seven until Jesus comes. Jesus is the beginning of the seventh group of sevens. We're going to learn later as we read through the Gospels that Jesus is the Sabbath rest of God. He is the one who has come to give us rest from our works to try to get to God on our own effort, to try to get to God based on the law. He is the one who's come to give us rest from our own works and to realize that in him, we only in him can we find salvation. I'm always a little reticent to bring up too much number stuff in the Bible because you can take numbers and cause them to mean anything that you want them to because the Bible doesn't explain exactly why these numbers are here. But this is one very good possibility. From the very beginning, he's telling us that Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the fulfillment. There was a promise that was made to Abraham of a people that God would bring to this earth, a people whom he would love. There was a promise that was made to David of a kingdom that God would bring to this world, a kingdom that would outlast this world, last into eternity. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise for those people. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. That's the story for that kingdom. He is the Messiah. So as we begin this book together, and you begin to look at what's God going to do in my life as I walk through this book, what God wants to do in your heart, my heart, is the very message of this book, fulfillment, fulfillment of God's kingdom in my life and your life. It is a book that's about fulfillment, so as you read it personally, I have to read into it, see in it, the personal fulfillment that God wants to bring into my life. Jesus is the one who fulfills our needs. We're going to read later, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Jesus is the one who fulfills our inner desires. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Again and again and again, we're going to see that everything that I desire, everything that I seek, every need that I have, it is fulfilled in Jesus. It's fulfilled in him. So as we begin this story together, this journey, walking through the book of Matthew together, let's take a moment to pray and ask him to affect our hearts like nobody else can. Our Father, we pray together that in this look at this wonderful book about the life of Jesus, that you would touch our hearts. You would do something in our lives that we could never do on our own. Something above and beyond our human ability to reason through the words here. Holy Spirit, take these words and fulfill in us what you want to fulfill in us. The needs and desires and dreams. Help us to see in a way we've never seen before how you are the fulfillment that we need how you are the fulfillment on this earth and into all eternity. Your promise, your kingdom, that's what we truly need. And I pray that my desire, our desire for that would increase through this study. I pray that my desire, our desire for following you would increase. Jesus, we see who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to look back at that genealogy and we're going to notice the four women who are in that genealogy and what we can learn from them. 